What's up with the Enneagram? Stay tuned. Marshall Montenegro joins us for part three right here at Truth Be Told, Hosea 4-6 Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Trevi Trev, coming back to you again for a, another episode with our dear friend and sister in Christ, Marsha Montenegro, who's going to talk all things Enneagram. <laughs> so I know some folks that um, might not care for this episode. They might care for this episode. We shall see. Some people that might have done this. I haven't heard of the Enneagram until... Uh, Marsha, uh, I saw some stuff on social media and then I saw it on the American gospel when you were on there. I think you talked it. Did you talk about it on American gospel? Um, not in the film itself, but, um, he did a separate video of me talking right. about it. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's, that's right. That's so what I didn't know what it was. Yeah. yeah. I had yeah. no idea. I saw the whatever that shape and all that. And I was like, kind of look like the pentagram uh, that, you know, the Satan star and all that. Um, yeah. But it's not right. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what that is. Never heard of it. But anyways, <laughs> you're here this, this uh, joining us today to talk about it. So I guess what, what is it? What is the Enneagram? Yeah. That's, that's a good place to start. Cause yeah, some people might have just kind of heard about it and still not really clear on what it is. Right. Um, it is a diagram. It's a nine-pointed geometric figure. Mm -hmm. And so there are nine points on it. Uh, basically, it's just a geometric figure, and it, it doesn't mean anything by itself because it's just uh, unless you're going to analyze it with geometry which mm -hmm. by the way, I was very bad at. I'm not going to be doing that tonight. Right. <laughs> um, but this particular figure has each point is called a type. Mm -hmm. And so it's a number. So type one, type two, type three, type four. And in the church, the idea is that this somehow will show you who you are hmm. you you will fit one of the types more than the others and by learning this and then learning more about what the enneagram has to say about that type and your interaction with other types that supposedly is going to help you understand who you are how god made you what your purpose is what your sin sometimes it they'll They'll say it shows what your sin, major sin problems are, um, how to grow in Christ, etc. So it and it goes on from there. It's become a tool for almost everything in the church. Hmm. Um, but it started off as is this idea that it was sort of a personality test. Okay. Um, and that is how it's often presented and understood in the church. But 
uh, one of the big issues it, with it is that that's not at all what it is. And that mm -hmm. is not what it was intended to be. So right there, you've got a major problem. You've got something that appears to be one thing right. that it is not. And what it truly is, a lot of people don't recognize that or understand that or don't or they don't believe it. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, the thing is the Enneagram is wrapped in so many layers of uh, falsehoods. Yeah, that you kind of have to peel them away one by one, like peeling an onion. Mm -hmm. And the more the more um, falsehoods there are about something, the harder it is to present the truth about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I've discovered with this Enneagram thing. And I, I keep thinking of that famous. Um, it's a kind of a saying. And I and then when I looked it up to try to see who said it, apparently nobody is sure. And some people think Mark Twain said it. And some people think um, I think maybe Benjamin Franklin said it or something, you know, so you find that you've had that kind of thing where you have like three or four people who supposedly said it. Right. So right. I don't know if anybody knows, but basically it says um, truth is still putting on its boots while the lie is traveling around the world. Or while the lie is traveling around the world, truth is still putting on his boots or, you know, it's, there's different ways to say it. And, and right. basically it's saying that falsehoods and lies will spread a lot faster and catch on quicker with people than the truth. And that yeah. is very true about the Enneagram. You, all right. I'll ask that one later. I think okay. that's kind of a good closing question. So what, so what are the origins? Is this fairly new? Is it kind of like, so I remember when I was in seminary in a past couple of past or counseling, past, we had to take something like the personality interpersonal, find out if you're an introvert, extrovert, you know, oh, okay. What, what are the, what's the origins of the Enneagram? Okay. The reason, you know, I tell people to trace origins of stuff to see, you know, where is it coming from? What, where does the Enneagram come from? Right. Yeah. Or who good, does it come from? Right. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. It's good to know both there. And, and it is a who. Um, yeah. It is not like other kinds of tests or personality mm -hmm. profiles. And I'm not saying personality profiles are necessarily valid or good because actually in the field of psychology, they don't really consider personality profiles to be valid at all. Mm -hmm. but the Enneagram really is not, that's not what it is. That's just what people think it is. Okay. So the way it started was as um, a diagram of the universe. And the person who started this is named George Gurdjieff. And he was kind of, he was either Russian Turkish or Russian Armenian. Mm -hmm. And the earliest we know that, that it existed was 1916. So that is only 105 years ago. So right. it's, not, it's not ancient. Right, it's not that. Right. It doesn't go back to the fourth century Monkey Baker's Ponticus, which some people say it does. It doesn't go back to Pythagoras or the mm. ancient Greeks or any, any of that. So George Gurdjieff was this guy who was this kind, he was kind of a spiritual wanderer. And he had been raised Eastern Orthodox, but he left, he, he, he left that Eastern Orthodox church mm -hmm. because he was sort of in search of of spiritual truth kind almost kind of like what 
new age people today, like what I did, you know, right, you sort right. of go on this journey right. and you go, you examine different teachings and different religions and that, and that's what he was doing. Um, and he had these ideas that he, he claims he got from some different spiritual teachers, although none of his stories were ever verified and some of them were debunked. So you can't really believe anything that he claimed, <laughs> but he got these teachings from somewhere. Um, and his idea was that the Enneagram captured all the laws of the universe. Mm -hmm. So he thought you can explain anything in the universe through the Enneagram. And he, he felt it illustrated something he called the law of three and the law of seven. Um, he put the musical scale around the Enneagram um, and he did different things with it that he felt it showed how the universe worked, basically. But but in this kind of very Gnostic, esoteric way, not in some mm -hmm. kind of objective scientific manner. Right. Um, and so he felt because he felt like the, the universe was dynamic that was moving there were movements and rhythms in the universe and that was illustrated in the enneagram and actually followers of gurdjieff who still exist today uh, and you can find this on youtube uh they 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 do these this dance kind of these sacred movements to this very it's usually very kind of bizarre music and it's they'll have you'll see the enneagram either in the background or on the floor beneath them. Hmm. And if you Google, you can find a lot of these. And I posted several of them on Facebook when I mm -hmm. first started, really uh, after the Enneagram started getting popular in the church, I started posting uh, videos and saying, this is what the Enneagram is really about. Yeah. And um, so he didn't use it as a way to supposedly find out who you are. Now, his idea was that we're all asleep and we need to be awakened to the truth because we don't really know reality. Now, this idea, of course, is very common in the New Age. It's common right. in the occult. And that's what I was about to say. You hear that in the occult. Well, yeah, occult. yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like you don't truth. really see reality the way it is. You need right. to you need to go on this journey and awaken to the truth kind right. of idea. So, and so that's hell. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that's what he taught. But of course, he had his own answer as to what reality was and how you awaken to it. And that's what he was teaching. And he had followers. He had mm -hmm. students who followed his teachings. And he, he taught he talked about how you had to become the what he called the new man. And it involved a lot of uh, steps that you had to take. Uh, where you were progressing spiritually through his teachings. Now, here, this is another typical occult new age kind of teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's what he was about. He had a pupil, a Russian pupil student named P.D. Uspensky. And Uspensky, uh, just for those listening, O-U-S-P-E-N-S-K-Y, Uspensky wrote some books later about Gurdjieff's teachings because Gurdjieff did not write about his teachings, uh, but Uspensky did. Mm -hmm. So Uspensky wrote about all these ideas from Gurdjieff and, and the ideas of the Enneagram. Uh, so those books were written and 
you know, some people, of course, the main people following this were the followers of Gurdjieff and then the followers of Uspensky, because Uspensky had his own followers. Mm -hmm. So it was really kind of a small group of people that were into these ideas. Yeah. Um, and then probably a small group of people who read the books. I don't think the books were something that, you know, were wildly popular and that people were, were trying to, you know, try and run into the, the bookstores to, to get or anything because these were very esoteric ideas. Right, right. Um, but they were but they were out there. So, but still, there's this teaching. It's just not really all that widely known. Uh, then along comes this man named Oscar Ichazo, I-C-H-A-Z-O. He's a Bolivian. Now, he is into very esoteric occult ideas. That's, that's where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. he, um, he comes across the Enneagram and or the teachings of Gurdjieff. Now, the stories about how Ichazo came across it and even his own story about it varied. So we don't really know historically what happened. Right. Like I, until recently, I was saying that he came across some students of Gurdjieff probably in the early 1960s. In a, and I, one of the stories that I read was he came across them in a cafe in Bolivia. Hmm. Um, but then uh, subsequent to that, uh, apparently there's more information that he uh, read probably one or more of Uspensky's books in the, okay. in the 50s, maybe in the early 50s or sometime in the 50s and came across the Enneagram that way. Then there's a story that is given that that Ichazo, and I think I'm trying to remember now because I can't remember if Claudio Naranjo, who's going to be the next person I discussed said this about Ichazo or whether Ichazo said it himself or whether someone else said it. Ichazo, oh, wait, I know where I, I recently posted on this and actually um, somebody who's perceived as a Christian, Chris Horitz, who wrote the Sacred, Enne the Sacred Enneagram that came out in 2017 from uh, Zondervan, oh, yeah. second Enneagram book in the church. He, in an interview with a uh, relevant magazine, from about, I think about three years ago, he said that Ichazo um, had a revelation or a dream from an angel and the Enneag Enne what he called the Enneagon was revealed to him. And that's for how he learned about the Enneagram was through this revelation from an mm. angel. Hmm. Okay, so there's another story. Right. Um, <laughs> So you've got these, these right away, okay, there's a lot of red flags here. First of oh, all, yeah. you're not getting any, any factual data about it. Right. Secondly, if it's, if it's a revelation from some kind of angel, well, we know it doesn't have anything to do with God. I mean, God's not going to reveal some kind of esoteric diagram to an occult teacher. That's, you know, that, that, that's, that's not, that's not what God does. He doesn't, right, right. He doesn't, he doesn't reveal things <laughs> to occult teachers so that they can teach occult ideas. Right. You know what I mean? Um, if he's going to reveal anything to an occult teacher, it'll be Jesus Christ. So the exactly. man becomes a Christian. Exactly. So, um, 
And angels don't reveal these kind of things. Angels aren't going around giving esoteric data to people. Right. So although a lot of people claim it, and that's actually the claims of a lot of, um, you know, false religious leaders is that they got their information from an angel. Right. We we know, you know, people like Joseph Smith, uh, Mohammed, um, Emmanuel Swedenborg, they all have angel stories. Mm -hmm. So actually, it's a red flag. So however he got it, he got hold of the Enneagram and he started teaching it in the 1960s at his school in Arica, Chile. He had an occult school. You had to sign something saying that you would not reveal anything that you learned there. It was all secret. And that that's another typical thing, too, with these kind of teachings. So um, Ichazu was teaching it to his students. And what he apparently was teaching was that the nine points on the Enneagram were ego fixations. And an ego fixation was a false personality. It was who you think you are. It was the false self. Hmm. Uh, Because actually, Ichazo said that we all come into the world with a pure essence. And this pure essence becomes um, covered up with things that we learn, with our experiences, with things that people tell us or teach us, uh, with, um, you know, just our own, um, our own uh, maybe confusion about things, etc. All of that layers on top of this essence and hides the essence. Mm-hmm. And we form this false personality out of all these things that are that are piling on top of that essence. And that is the ego fixation. So the goal of learning the e- which ego fixation you are is to work through it and find the true essence of who you really are. Mm-hmm. So that was his idea about what the Enneagram was for. And that was how he taught it. Um, and he did now the reason why I think a lot of people sometimes even think Ichazo was, I don't know if they really have said he's a Christian. I've heard him called uh, by people who uh, defend the Enneagram in the church. Right. They often whitewash Ichazo. Mm-hmm. I've heard him called a philosopher, which makes me laugh because <laughs> I was not a philosopher. <laughs> an occult teacher. Come on. Right. Uh, you about know, giving you please. all this stuff. Uh, you know, right. I mean, that's totally antithetical to what David said that, you know, when he was in his mother's womb, he was shaped in, you know, and Nick, we see, I mean, we have yes. the same nature in us. So yes. Yeah. You're not born with a pure. Essence. Right. You're not. You no. know, that's that. It's almost. I don't know if he went that way, almost sounding like uh, reincarnation almost or the I forgot what church father was pushing the idea of the soul's preexistence. Oh, that was origin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 just I don't. Yeah. I don't know if he said I and I don't know. I know he pushed that. I don't know about all his ideas. Okay. But. um, Yeah. So he he. uh he was teaching this. This is this is what he was teaching. And now he did name the ego fixations. He used the seven deadly sins. And then he added two more. 
Now, if you think about this, and I have tried to explain this um, a few times on Facebook because a lot of people think, oh, well, then he must have been a Christian or this was some kind of Christian tool because it talks about the seven deadly sins. Mm. Well, here's the thing. You think about where he, he was from Bolivia. Mm-hmm. What, what religion and what church do we find dominating Bolivia back in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, even, even today, although it's on the wane, Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I mean, Latin America was incredibly Roman Catholic. I know right. a lot of that has fallen apart in the last 10 or 20 years, yeah. but it's very strongly Roman Catholic. So he comes from this Roman Catholic you know, country and probably background. I don't know if he was raised that way, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was. He's talking to other people who come from that background. So to him, it's a natural thing to take something like the seven deadly sins and use that as a device Mm -hmm. to explain the ego fixations. But see, the way he's talking about, he's not talking about sin the way God talks about sin. Mm -hmm. Because if if he meant sin the way God talks about it, he wouldn't teach that we're born with a pure essence. Right. He wouldn't teach that we're born without sin, you know, and that we can get back to it. We can get to this place where we have no more faults um, on our own. So he's obviously not teaching anything Christian or biblical. And he's just using these seven deadly sins plus two more as a device for his naming the nine points on the Enneagram. So he's a very important figure in the story because he's one of the major people. Now, the other thing to know about him is that he did spirit contact, not surprisingly. So he was channeling. He, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if he, uh, channeling is very specific. It means that you allow okay. spirit to speak through you. And I don't know if he did that. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But, but he, spirit contact is a general term, however you're doing it, or whether you think you're hearing from spirits or, you know, they're what, however you think you're getting that information, that's the general term. Mm-hmm. Um, he even had names for two of them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Metatron, which. Who, oh, Metatron that's popular. Is, is an archangel in. Um, the Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, and probably I can't remember if this was, this is actually factually true or not, but I think possibly or probably he had read about the Kabbalah. A lot of them, you know, a lot. I think uh, Crowley, his whole thing, Thelema is just a perverted version. Um, you know, I get, I know people got their thoughts and opinions about the Kabbalah, anyways. But a lot of them people talking about they writing books on the inspirations, nothing but like a bastardized version of Kabbalah, anyway. Yeah, you know, because I mean, yeah, Metatron, that Metatron is always popping up in these. A uh, cold. This angel Metatron spoke to me. Yeah. I'm like, man, y'all got that from Kabbalah. You can make. Yeah. I don't really know you got that from. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and that's you know likely where he got it from. Right. And he, and then he had another one called the Green Ketub, which is somehow connected to, um, I think, Sufism. Oh wow. Um, and I don't know exactly how, and I haven't looked into that, but. Because to me, the important thing was that he claimed these spirit contacts and he claimed that his um, group there at his school was guided by an interior master. 
So that's another mm. reference to a spirit. So right. it's very important to know he was doing spirit contact. Now, along comes this man named Claudio Naranjo, who is from Chile. And Claudio Naranjo is a psychiatrist. Um, he's experiencing a crisis in his life because his only son has died. And he's kind of on the spiritual search. Mm-hmm. And he comes across Ichazo. He decides to become a student of Ichazo's teachings. So he's there with Ichazo at, at Ichazo's school in Arica. And now another good thing to know about Claudio Naranjo is that his specialty as a psychiatrist was the study of the effect of hallucinogenic drugs. Oh, wow. So he's, and he just doesn't study them and other people, he takes them. Oh. So he's into taking these mind altering drugs. That's his, that's his area of expertise. And in fact, he's, he's called kind of the father or grandfather of psychedelic drugs. And I think there's a book or magazine he's on the cover. Well, I think he wrote a book on it, but I think he's on the cover of a magazine. I need to double check that. Mm-hmm. about psychedelic drugs this was his thing yeah so it's not like he's this scholarly psychiatrist sitting in an office you know intellectually analyzing people right <laughs> he's he's into these spiritual things and he's into taking drugs for spiritual trips which is what they did in the 60s yeah he's starting so, to do it with um i forgot what that girl name uh it's an actress that took went down with um I think that boy named Machine Gun Kelly, and she oh, went to ayahuasca ayahuasca ayahuasca. She drank it and all. She you know, yeah. A friend of mine was telling me that he was re- he's been reading some stuff with uh with ayahuasca and a lot of atheists are starting to become spiritual because they took ayahuasca yeah. and they yes. had, they yes. seen God and. You know, yes. they're seeing these beings and the big head alien and the hand came out and was waving at me. I'm like, yo, what in the world y'all? Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, to people that remember the 60s, this is all very familiar because these are, this is like what LSD did. Mm. This is what people, people were going on LSD trips. Uh, some of them just did it for kicks. Some of them did it out of curiosity. Some of, some of them did it for spiritual reasons. Mm. as they felt that this was a they would have a spiritual trip and it wasn't just lsd i mean it could be mescaline or something else or mushroom you know certain kind of yeah yeah and so people were doing that in the 60s and into the 70s that was very common i mean it this was that was part actually part of it wasn't mainstream but it was part of the culture so all this ayahuasca stuff when it started happening i did some facebook posts on it because that's what it reminded me of. It was like yeah. a throwback to the 60s and LSD trips. It's very dangerous because some of this, what what some people do when they are on these trips, they can do dangerous things or they can actually become psychotic. So um, I, there's a very famous story. I don't know, probably you don't, you're too young to know who Art Linkletter was. Um, Art Linkletter was a very popular guy. He had a TV show. And he was very famous because in the last five minutes he had a children and he would ask children questions and they would give the most hilarious answers. You know, he would ask them just, just simple questions like, what does your, your mom do when she's at home? 
And then they might just, you know, kids are like, they're like four or five years old. They're like, oh, she sits around and reads the paper and eats candy, you know, or something like that. You know, like right, right. anyway, he's very, he was very famous. And, um, and uh, his daughter took LSD and I believe she like walked out a window or something, but she, but she died. Mm. And so, I mean, there were people who, who died from doing LSD, not necessarily because they did something like that, but they would just physically, they, their body couldn't handle it or their mind couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So these kind of things are very dangerous. Anyway, that's what I, 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 we kind of went off the track there, but Naranjo was into that kind of thing. And yeah. so was Ichazo. And there's a video on YouTube where Naranjo talks about his time with Ichazo and how Ichazo would take him out, you know, into kind of the desert areas there and they would take drugs. Yeah. So Naranjo learns the Enneagram from Ichazo. And then he goes to California and he goes to this place called Esalen, E-S-A-L-E-N. Have you ever heard okay. of it? I have it. No, okay. Ma'am. Here's a here's a new chapter for you to <laughs> open. Oh, I'm opening up a new chapter for you, Trevor. Okay, let me get my pen and paper so I can write it down. <laughs> because Esalen was very was kind of the birthplace of the human potential movement, and was very influential on the New Age. Okay, Esalen, California. No, Esalen is the name of the place. It was in Big Sur, California. Gotcha, Esalen, Big Sur. It's in Big Sur. And it started, um, I can't remember exactly when it started. I think it started like in the, sometime in the 60s. Um, I can't remember now. I used to know and now it's gone. But it started and uh, it attracted people. It was kind of like this wild think tank. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was like a walk on the wild side kind of think tank. And so you, it attracted people who were into experimental ideas, experimental psychology, experimental spirituality. Um, uh, the, there's uh, like, there was a famous uh, form of psychology, um, scream therapy. You know, I think it started, the person who started it was there at Esalen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gestalt, I, I'm not sure if Gestalt therapy started there, but some of the more, extreme experimental forms of psychotherapy um, had their birthplace there and the human potential movement which really grew out of that partly out of esalen and really became big in the 70s and Mm -hmm. the 80s really huge that was kind of a birthplace for it so it was like a hothouse of ideas for these very experimental innovative new kind of ways of thinking and seeing the culture and seeing people and the New Age was influenced by its people from Esalen as well. There were some early teachers there who were like early New Agers. Mm-hmm. That's where Naranjo went. And he's there teaching the Enneagram that he learned from Oscar Ichazo, but he's teaching it with his own twist to it. So he's not teaching it like Ichazo taught it. And he's teaching it with the nine, nine types. Yeah. And now when he was teaching it there, I don't know if he told people at that time what he later said 
in 2010 on a YouTube video, he said that he got the information for the types from his higher authorities. Oh, wow. His higher authorities are his spirit guides. Right. And of course, he had spirit contact too, like Ichazo. So that's where he got the information because he got it through automatic writing. Mm. Yeah, I know about that automatic writing. Automatic writing is a form of channeling. Right. But it's done with you. You're letting a spirit direct your hand as you write. Oh, yeah. So that's that's where he got that. And um, I'll put this on because it's a little more comfortable here. Um, So that video is still on YouTube. And on many of the programs I've been on, it was, uh, I'll, I'll put a link below when you post this uh-huh. or, I, or I'll send it to you right after the, the okay. show. I'll give you a link to it. Please do. Yeah. And if you even want to take a, a little soundbite from it, you could. Okay. It's all, he says all this within the first four minutes mm. of the video. So you don't have to listen too long to hear him say it. Okay. <laughs> first, he says that it's not, the Enneagram is not ancient that he and Ichazo made that up. Oh, wow. Yeah. They made it up to give it more credibility. And then he talks about the automatic handwriting. He's on a new age program. He's being interviewed by a new age guy. Uh huh. So um, that is, that is the source and the origin of the Enneagram. So how does it get into the hands of Richard Rohr? Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yes. So Richard Rohr is the next major figure here. Richard Rohr is a, I should say who he is. He's a Franciscan friar. Um, he started something he calls Center for Action and Contemplation in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which mm-hmm. I think he started in 1986 or 1987. Um, and even though he is a Roman Catholic, his ideas are not in line even with Roman Catholic theology, right? much less any, any Christian. They're not in line with any Christian theology. But Richard Rohr comes across the Enneagram. Now, here, the way, now here's how he got it. When Claudia Naranjo went to Esalen, actually, yeah, Esalen, now I've heard two different versions of this. I've heard that there was a, there's a there was a Jesuit named Bob Oaks. Okay, he either got the enneagram at Arica, where Ichazo taught. Now it would be very strange, and I have a lot of questions of why a Jesuit is at an occult school <laughs> in Arica, Chile, or at from Naranjo at Esalen. Mm-hmm. But he he takes it to a seminary, uh, Loyola Seminary in Chicago. Right. And he starts teaching it there. And apparently that even though Richard War is not a Jesuit, that's where Richard War learned it. Mm. So Richard War learns it. So it's kind of like it went it went into the Catholic Church that way. And it went into the New Age via a psychic named Helen Palmer. So okay. it kind of split into these two paths. Yeah. And Richard War was in one of those paths. And that's how he learned it. And then Helen Palmer was in the New Age. 
And she started um, teaching the Enneagram and wrote a book about it. And it became very popular in the new age. Now in the Roman Catholic church, even though um, Richard War and some other pe people like that started teaching it. And even though it was taught at some retreat centers, mm -hmm. um, it was never officially endorsed by the Roman Catholic church. Right. And actually there were Roman Catholic sources that warned about it. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, they're in our, the book, um, I should mention our book here, Richard War and the Enneagram Secret, which came out in 2020, gives all of, gives all this information mm -hmm. with footnotes and gives all the stuff that I can't remember. <laughs> Are you good? And, and, <laughs> and or, or gives more detail on what I'm talking about. And um, so that's, that's the book. If you want all the information, it's in that book and it's not a very long book. It's, it's concise. It's a very concise book. So I'm not talking about like an encyclopedia here where you're going to have all these page after page after page of boring. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's not, all, it's not like one of those academic. You yeah. Know, right. Like, this is, yeah. this is a very uh, reader friendly book mm -hmm. um, with a lot of scripture in it too. Okay. So, um, so that was written by myself and two other people, Joy, Don and Joy Vino, who um, have been directing Midwest Christian outreach for a number of years. Okay. Um, and I have known them for over 20 years. So uh, we wrote that book because we felt the word had to come out because there were so many Christian books coming out endorsing it. And we were alarmed. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to Richard War. Richard War takes the Enneagram and he writes a book with a man named Andreas Ebert, who's a Lutheran pastor. I believe he must have been German because the first edition of the book was in German. Uh, then it was translated into English, and mm. then it was the it became the Enneagram: A Christian Perspective, which is the book that is really the reason why it's in the church today. Because that that book came out around 1991, and for a long time there, all through the 90s and maybe the early 2000s, it was kind of relatively unknown mm -hmm. it was unknown in the evangelical church um maybe some catholics and a few other people knew about it but it was just kind of sitting there and then along comes the progressives who at the time were called the emergence like rob bell and brian mclaren and tony mm -hmm. jones and all those people uh and they and richard war were friends uh, however that happened, I don't know, but the progressives love Richard War, And they picked up the Enneagram apparently from him because mm -hmm. I started noticing that at their conferences, maybe around 2009, 2010, they were um, teaching the Enneagram. Oh, wow. And I thought that's really, I thought that's odd. Why? why are they interested in the Enneagram? You know, I didn't get it at the time. I just didn't get it. I was, <laughs> I knew about the Enneagram. I had had to look some things up on it in the late 1990s Yeah. Uh, for some missionaries overseas who were encountering it. They were in a very, they were in a Catholic country. So I think that's how they were encountering it. Yeah. 
And so I already knew this background. I'd heard of it when I was in the new age too. Mm -hmm. I never got into it. So I thought, what? That's so weird. Why are they, why are they interested in the Enneagram? But I, then I noticed it was getting really, the progressives were really into it. And it was always at their conferences. And I also, at the same time, was getting concerned about Richard War's influence. Yeah. I had started tracking Richard War in 2013. And so in 2014, apparently that's when I wrote my first Facebook post on the Enneagram. And I think um, I can't remember now why I did that, but I think it's because I saw Rory's influence and I knew his influence with the progressives and the progressives were pushing Enneagram. Right. So I saw the connection and I thought, okay, we need to watch for that, you know, because that might be something that we, that we come across. Right. We, we Christians might, might come across that. So I started posting warnings about it. Then in 2016, the Road Back to You comes out from IVP, InterVarsity Press, mm-hmm. which is seen by Christians as an evangelical publisher. Uh, they publish a lot of Christian. I mean, that's what they publish. They publish Christian right. books. Right. Uh, and here they come out with this book called The Road Back to You. Now, I remember coming across this online, and I don't know if it was Facebook or somewhere else. I think I may have seen a post promoting it on Facebook. And so the road back to you and it was about the Enneagram and it was, and, and I was absolutely shocked to see it was from IVP. And I thought, why is IVP publishing a book on the Enneagram? Because to me, see the Enneagram was new age. Right. I, you know, and I, I was thinking this is a new age tool. It's what, you know, it, it, to me, it was like IVP publishing a book on astrology. Yeah. And I, I just, I didn't see a difference between the two. And I was just, I was so confused and shocked. Uh, and I started looking into the authors. I didn't know their names right off, right off the bat. However, Suzanne Stabile's name rang a bell. And you know why? Because I wrote, I forgot to mention when I first noticed the Enneagram at the progressive conferences, Mm-hmm. I wrote my first article on the Enneagram in 2011 called the Enneagram GPS Gnostic Path to the Self. And it's still on my website. That was my very first article on the Enneagram. In that article, I talk about Suzanne Stabile because I came across her as a Christian teaching the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote about two women who are at that time were viewed as Christians and as evangelicals who were teaching the Enneagram. Um, and the other one is Alice Freiling, uh, whose husband actually until not too long ago was like a, was like president or somehow he had a, um, he had a position with IVP. Uh, and his wife is Alice Freiling. And she, she was teaching Enneagram back when I was writing this article in 2011 she's still teaching it oh wow so Suzanne Stabile's name kind of rang a bell and I sure enough I found her name in my article and so I started looking into her more only to discover she and her husband were mentored by Richard War for many years mm. her husband is a Methodist minister 
but why a Methodist minister wants to be mentored by a Franciscan priest who's heretical, I don't know. Right, right. I would love to ask him why, what made him do that. I really would like to exactly. know. <laughs> exactly. um, and so she and her husband are mentored by Richard Rohr. And I thought, wow, there's the connection with Richard Rohr and the Enneagram. Ian Cron, it turns out, is an Episcopal priest and a psychiatrist. And he has close ties with Richard Rohr and has taught at Richard Rohr's Center in New Mexico. So both of the authors of the first book from IVP on the Enneagram have these close ties with Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr. Yeah. Right. So right away, you see Richard Rohr is getting his foot in the door yeah. of the evangelical church through the Enneagram. These, these people are his disciples. Yeah. And so, spreading like wildfire. Yeah. yeah. And that book, I think, is still the most popular Enneagram book in the church. Mm. Um, I believe I saw my co-author um, Don Vino say the other day, I think it has sold over 500,000 copies. Whoa. Yeah. It's a huge book. And I'm going by what people, I have, of course, started getting a lot of messages and emails from people or comments from people on Facebook about them encountering this. Yeah. Enneagram. And so many of them told me, it was the book, The Road Back to You, that was either recommended to them or given to them, sometimes recommended to them by their pastor. Mm. Uh, so that, you know, I, that book was mentioned to me more than any other book. Yeah. Uh, the Sacred Enneagram was somewhat popular, too, and people have mentioned that to me. But the, uh, the Road Back to You seems to be the one I heard the most about from people. So that book and then the Sacred Enneagram came out in 2017. Chris Horitz, guess who mentored Chris Horitz? Richard Rohr. Yeah. Great day. He is, he and his wife are very close associates of Richard Rohr. His wife, um, I think, uh, has sat on the board or is still on the board of Richard Rohr's center. And Richard Rohr has ties to gravity which is the name of i don't know whether to call it a business or a ministry i don't know what they call it it's something that chris hurts and his wife set up it's called gravity um and richard war was on their board mm. and so there's very very close ties there uh chris horace also uh openly on on the website promoting his book the sacred enneagram thanks his teachers who helped him with the Enneagram. He thanks Richard Rohr and three New Agers, one of whom is Helen Palmer that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Right. So those are the people that he thanks for learning the Enneagram. None of them yeah. are Christians. Right. None of them are Christians. So, you, you know, you see, you, you know, to me, this was like, this information was like, somebody it was like me seeing a fire starting in the church yeah it was like me seeing somebody light a match and the fire starting to burn you know the edges of the curtains or the pews or something and it's like i could see the fire coming you know yeah. i thought this this is really really bad 
this is really bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, um, I did not know it was going to get as big as it did. I thought hmm. at some point people would recognize the facts and this the truth really- and people would speak out against it. But that didn't happen. Nobody spoke out against it. I was the only person warning about the Enneagram on Facebook for for several years. Mm. I started in 2014. I really kicked in in 2016 and 2017. And 2018, I was like posting like every other day, 2018, 2019, because it was just, it was like a fever. It was everywhere. Yeah. And um, uh, I mean, other people were alarmed. Um, Other people shared my posts and warned people, but I did not know another person. And if there was somebody there who was warning against it, I'm just saying now, the reason I say nobody else did is because I don't know of anybody. Yeah. You know, we we put um, a little survey up on our Instagram page and was, we have a lot of millennial and Gen Z um, audience. And so some of them responded that they did take the Enneagram you know, this was recommended by other uh, churchgoers. Yes. And, yes. you know, this, you know, some of them said it was a couple years back. And so we would ask uh, me and my co-host, we would ask, um, well, would you take it again? And their answer was no. And I, I asked the question, why? You know, I'm looking for, did you experience something that made you uncomfortable? Why? And it was just, you know, just a generic, just I, I it was I wasn't into it you know yeah so have you had anybody that you know since taking it and say i had no idea you know somebody that may came out and said you know i shouldn't have done that that was bad yeah oh yeah i've okay. had people say yeah because a lot of people really didn't know and here's the problem a, a lot of people didn't really know what it was or how any of the stuff that i've shared in this you know talk right or, or this podcast with you um and their pastors would recommend it, or maybe their Sunday school teacher, mm-hmm. or maybe their women's Bible study leader would recommend it. Well, they they had no reason not to trust that person. You know, they would think, oh, well, this is my pastor. He knows mm. what he's talking right, about. Right. Or, you know, this is I've got my Bible study teachers, you know, a good Bible study teacher. So she wouldn't recommend something to me that wasn't biblical. Right. And so a lot of people just trusted who, who recommended it to them. And they just assumed that there was the Enneagram was some kind of valid diagram to figure out who you are, either whether they saw it as a personality test or as something more, they just assumed it was valid and that, and that it was Christian. When they, a lot of people discovered it wasn't, or that there were questions about it and started looking into it. Yeah. A lot of people have told me when I realized what it was, I, you know, I threw away all my anagram books. You had Um, pastors come out and repent. uh, I know, no, what, what I do know happened is um, early on before it had really caught on in the church, but it was beginning kind of to surge Um, I heard of two churches uh, that I know were given information on the Enneagram from me and people who knew the were in these churches or knew people in these churches gave them information. I had like some of my Facebook posts or my articles Mm -hmm. to that church. And those two churches 
had been going to have uh, either a speaker on the Enneagram or some kind of workshop on it, and they canceled it. Oh, wow. Praise God. Yeah, that was early on. I have not heard any pastor um, come out. And, and that doesn't mean there isn't one. Uh, you know, the, I only know the pastors who have been endorsing it. Yeah. And I know the pastors who have actually responded back to me <laughs> in, in either indirectly or directly just rejecting my information. You know, why, do, why, why do you think that? Why, why do I think they're doing that? Yeah, that they, they, they push against. I mean, I think I think there are different reasons. I think sometimes it's because they have bought into it. Right. And they don't want to admit they were wrong. Pride. And they, yeah, they don't want to admit they're wrong. So if they've already kind of bought into it, like this one pastor was starting a sermon series on it. Mm -hmm. And this is not Matt Brown of Sandals Church in California is very well known for having done that. But this is another pastor that was doing the same thing that I contacted. And I gave him some information. I said, it's not found. It didn't come from the fourth century monkey bakers, Ponticus. It, you know, which is something Richard Rohr had. Um, although initially he and his uh, co-author said it had no Christian origins. Yeah. And then later they said it came probably from a vagarist panicus. And that that's one of the falsehoods that started getting repeated. Um, I said, well, it didn't come from that. And I just kind of, I very, I tried to be very brief because I didn't want to overwhelm him with a lot of, you know, facts. So I summed it up and sent him a very concise uh, message uh, about what it was and that it was totally invalid. And he answered back and said, you know, thank you for writing and your concerns and everything. And then he completely, I had just told him it didn't come from a vagus panicus. And in his reply to me, he said, well, it came from the fourth century monk, vagus panicus. And I'm like, did he, did he really read what I wrote? Or is he just telling me he completely rejects what I saw? <laughs> you know, I was so confused. I'm like, I just told him it didn't come from the fourth century that fourth century monk. And then he's telling me it does. But then he said that the reason he was going to still present the Enneagram was because he was hoping it would get people to the church. What? Yeah. So mm. this is a tool to get the, Oh, you know, he said, he talked about, you know, reaching out to hurting people because he, he had something in his story of, you know, his past and, how he had come out of something and God healed him. And so now he felt he needed to reach out to hurting people. And he was yeah. going to use the Enneagram as a tool to reach out to hurting people to get them to come to church. So that was going to be, that was his rationale. That's, I mean, that's like somebody, um, I think it's uh, E.W. Kenyon, the um what they they call him the actual father of word of faith right he tried to take a polemical angle with metaphysics and uh -huh. it backfired yeah and he ended up getting swamped with metaphysical teaching he didn't know how to turn that thing around but this is what's going to happen with these preachers that are doing that these pastors that yes. are trying to bait people in with new age stuff and you know you just you bring in the circus in 
the church and then next thing you know boom you you got yeah, how, you get you them got, out, how you get the right. service out yeah, yeah you, got, exactly. you got a congregation full of mystics you know what i'm saying yeah exactly it ba- it backfires it backfires you, you are letting something in that's really opposed to the gospel yeah you know because the enneagram is not just a false psychological tool it's a spiritual tool yeah it has a spiritual component to it it comes from two men who did spirit contact right you know it's got this it's it was forged in the new age it's got this this uh, spiritual dimension to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I did this post, uh, the Enneagram is not spiritually neutral. And where I was making these points about it, just like astrology, astrology is not spiritually neutral. Mm-hmm. Yes, astrology is fake. It's not really scientific. And you can debunk it scientifically. Yeah. But it's more than that. It is a spiritual tool. Yeah, it's this esoteric occult tool. The yeah. Enneagram is on the same level as astrology, and it works the same way. People believe it for the same reasons they think that they fit their zodiac sign, or the or they think that's oh my birth chart that really does describe me. That describes who I am, and the same reasons that make you think astrology works. Are, is, are the same reasons that make you think the Enneagram is correct. So people say, well, you know, I don't care about where it comes from or anything because it really described who I am. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it works for me. So I'm going to use it. So there's this pragmatism and this willingness to accept something, even though the facts are against it, mm-hmm. because they think it works. And that is not the criteria. God, God's word is very clear. We are to test the spirits. Right. And we're to test to see if something is good, if it's from God. You know, we're supposed to check it out. Exactly. And if it's, not, if it's not from God and it has a spiritual component, I think that's what test the spirits means. I think it means you're testing the spiritual quality of something. Right. And if it is not spiritually sound and if it's not from god it's to be rejected yeah yeah you got to go let's up i was having a conversation today i said we you got to go back to the bible yeah i don't all these all these spiritual experiences you know people doing stuff in the church okay where do we see paul doing that where do we see the apostles doing that you know forget that where do we see jesus doing it? you know we don't yeah so how yeah. you but where's the origin? That's why I said, where does this stuff coming from? Right. You know, where is it coming from? And and, and when why, you talk and, about, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, you go. Ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say when you talk about people spirit contacting to get this information, and then you trying to put a Christian spin on it, that's just, I mean, you putting you putting makeup on a skin cat at that point. Exactly, and that's, you know that's what people did. They try to make it look Christian. Right. You know, so now you have, uh, for example, Beth McCord, who calls herself an Enneagram coach, claiming to teach uh, the Enneagram, you know, a gospel centered Enneagram. And that's sort of her catchphrase. Um, mm. And then there's a whole ministry or maybe it's a business. I'm not sure which called the gospel Enneagram started by a pastor. Mm-hmm. He knows the origins. And so does Beth McCord. They know the origins. In fact, Here's another side to this. You know how I mentioned um, how the first writers of the of the Enneagram books in the church were all mentored by Richard War. Right. And Chris Horitz had three New Age teachers. Well, Beth McCord, who was 
always claiming how she was taught by the best Enneagram teachers. One day I found out uh, that she named six people on her website at, thanking them as her Enneagram teachers. I looked, they're all, they're all new agers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because so she kept saying she learned the Enneagram 15 years ago. Now she said this two or three years ago. So now yeah. it's more like 17, 18 years ago. But I knew two or three years ago, if she had learned the Enneagram 15 years prior, that it had to be from New Agers. Because Christians weren't teaching the Enneagram 15 years ago. Right. And so um, I believe somebody sent me, I can't remember how I came across those names. I can't remember if somebody sent me a link to it um, or I was just looking, I can't remember. But anyway, it was on her website. I already knew, um, you know, Helen Palmer and I think one or two other names. I looked the others up, they're all new agers. So I did a Facebook post about her, Beth McCord and her six new age Enneagram teachers. And yet she claims to teach a gospel centered Enneagram. Now, did she know they were new agers or not? That's the $64,000 question. I don't right. know. Right. But I don't see how she could have thought they were Christians. You know, I know a new ager can talk and sound like they're a Christian up to a point, but at some point you realize they're not. Right. But, you know, so I don't know the story there. I can't say whether she realized they were new agers or not. Either way, it's bad that she had these new agers as her teachers. Well, a few months later, after I did this Facebook post, somebody contacted me and said, guess what, Marsha, those names aren't on her website anymore. Uh oh, and they weren't, they were gone. Mm. So I did another post, Beth McCord scrubs new age teachers from her, her website. <laughs> <laughs> I had taken screenshots of their names when they were on there. Yeah. So I had that. So I put that up. I said, here are the names that she had that she took off. Why did she take them off? That was my question. You know, you all that think the Enneagram is good, or you think Beth McCord is, is okay with what right. she's doing, you know, why don't you ask her why she took those names off? Right. Why did she have them on there and then take in them the, off? In the first place. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, there are all kinds of questions that come up. Now I've listened to her do at least four podcasts, uh, usually with her husband, who's kind of, they're kind of team, a team on the Enneagram. I'm defending the Enneagram and they will talk about Ichazo and Claudia Naranjo, but they, they whitewash them mm. and they, they make them sound more like, Oh, he was a spiritual teacher. He was a philosopher. Um, uh, no, Naranjo taught psychology. I mean, you don't really get all the facts about it and they, they, they poo poo any occult connection. They dismiss it because well, she's been teaching it for all this time and her business made a million dollars on it. Oh, wow. She is in a million dollar club. So her and her million dollars comes from her Enneagram teachings and materials, because not only does she teach the Enneagram, she has a certification thing where people can become certified through her training. Mm. So uh, if you have, if you're invested your time, your reputation and your money in the Enneagram to admit that you were wrong or that the Enneagram is not Christian. 
that's going to take a lot of humility. That's going, oh, to, yeah. take, that's going to take the Lord getting you to do that. Right. And that's where you start to to see how much you love money. They've they've fallen in love. That million dollars. Yeah, it's like, okay, I guess, you know, she doesn't really want she either doesn't really want to admit the truth to herself and she's rationalizing it or she knows the truth and she's just setting it aside. Yeah. Somehow justifying it. And it's the same with this. This pastor who started this gospel Enneagram. He even he even talks about the occult origins. So why would you, if you know, you got, if you know, if you got some got occult origins and this is just not with the Enneagram, it's a lot of stuff in the church that we find occult origins to what is going on and they still do it. We, you know, and so there's some people on the back end, like, wait, 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 wait. You know, we're being like the Bereans. This stuff is coming from another place that is not biblical. Why are you doing it? I know. And that's, that's a big question. You know, I think, I can't, I, you know, I've had the last few years to think about this. Like, why are these people doing it once they know the facts? And yeah, I've I've come up with different ideas about, okay, and why is the Lord letting the Enneagram kind of run rampant in the church? Mm -hmm. Why is he, he's, he has, you know, there are, there are some warnings about it and now people are more aware of it and more people are warning about it. Um, but clearly it doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. There's yeah. over 35 books now. Wow. And, and so I have thought one of my ideas that was maybe God is testing the church. Mm-hmm. And so he's testing it. So who's going to, who's going to care about the truth enough to reject it, even if they've invested in it? Mm-hmm. Who's going to care about the truth enough to say, no, I'm not going to have anything to do with it, or I'm not going to let that be taught in my church. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a pastor, uh, so that it could, it could be, God could be using it. And of course I don't, I, I'm not speaking for God. So I'm not saying I know why God's allowing it. This is right. my, this is speculation, Yeah, but I can see based on things God does, you know, we see in the Bible, he has, he tested the children of, you know, he tested the children in the wilderness, children of Israel, that he was the the people that Moses was leading. Um, He tested people later, you know, there's God and God does test you. He doesn't tempt us, but he does test you. And so where are you going to stand? Uh, when something like this comes along and are you going to admit I was wrong? I should not have been involved. And there are people who are doing that. Yeah. So I thought of that. I thought maybe that's something that's happening. Another thing that's happening is this is a symptom maybe of the church, the weak, the weakness of the church where it hasn't really stuck to sound doctrine and has yeah. stuck to the gospel and mm-hmm. so that has opened the door for other to be open to other ideas and teachings mm-hmm. and to rationalize them um and actually some of the uh the biggest church in arizona uh, i think this happened last year uh late last year i mean or maybe early this year uh they had ian cron as a speaker and I watched, they had a video of it and I watched it and I did a Facebook post on it mm-hmm. uh, because the, um, 
it was not just the fact they had Ian Cron supporting the Enneagram, but they used three passages of scripture. The pastor cited three passages of scripture, which he thought was somehow supporting what Ian Cron was saying. And in my post, I showed how that wasn't true at all. Yeah. Those passages of scripture do not support what it was like. No, no, that's not what it's not the passage. That's not what it's saying. So I did that. Well, then later I found out and somebody sent me a video of uh, another pastor who I actually think was the main pastor did a video for all the small groups of the church on the Enneagram mm -hmm. and why it was okay to teach the Enneagram and that they could present this to their group. And I, so I did another, I did another post on that video. Now, yeah. the interesting thing to me is that in this video, he does the same thing that two other people in the church do. Two other Christian Enneagram teachers did the exact same thing. They use uh, one of their defenses of the Enneagram. One reason they say it's okay to use it is because Paul quoted pagan poets. Oh, like in... Uh... Acts, Acts 17. Yeah, and, yeah. and Titus 2. Right. And so one of them talks about Acts 17. One of them talks about Titus 2. So I did Facebook posts on that. And I said, Paul quoting, qu quoting pagan poets is not the same thing as using the Enneagram. And right. here, here's why. That's an invalid analogy. Oh, yeah. Big there, time. It's, it's not the same thing. And so I, <laughs> I, I tried to explain in my post because people... See, there are Christians out there, the, the, the sheep, these are these are the sheep of, of Christ's pasture. These are the sheep of the great shepherd. And the pastors are supposed to be shepherding the sheep and they're deceiving them. Right, exactly. And I'm not saying they're intentionally deceiving them because I think they're deceived, but they're misleading the sheep. Yeah. And they're not protecting them. And and I get upset because, you know, I'm not a pastor, but I get, I'm one of the sheep. I get upset as one of the sheep when I see the other sheep, you know, like wandering around with this Enneagram that's sitting in the middle of the pasture and the, and the shepherd is letting them, you know, kind of like, here it is. Yeah, you can use this. And so I'm like, wait a minute. And so some of these sheep are like saying, well, you know. Um, I brought this up to my pastor and he told me that Paul quoted pagan poets and I didn't know what to say to him. So I thought I'm going to try to help out by giving them some answers. Yeah. So that was what I did. So pagan poets was one. Another one is all truth is God's truth. Mm -hmm. That was another defense that was being used. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I did something um, on that. And there was another one now that's gone out of my head. There's another common one that, um, oh, 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 meat for idols. Mm. Um, so you can, you can eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, if your conscience doesn't bother you and it doesn't bother the conscience of the people around you. So other people use that argument to defend the Enneagram. So I did a post on that. Because that's not, you. that scripture doesn't support the use of the Enneagram at all. Right. Okay, because meat for idols is not the same thing as the Enneagram. I mean, yeah. meat, meat is food. It's a neutral, it's neutral. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I did a post on that. And then another issue that came up was, then a lot of people told me that when they tried to share the information with their friends, 
their friends would say, um, oh, but God can redeem anything. Well, is that really true? Is yeah. God gonna, really going to redeem everything? And so I said, okay, is God going to redeem the Ouija board? Is he going to redeem, you know, the uh, tarot cards? Right. So, so yeah. that's universalism. <laughs> There's some things God has condemned and said yeah. have nothing to do with. Exactly. We're not supposed to go over to that thing and say, oh, but God can redeem anything. So I'm going to use it. Right. I mean, it goes against Deuteronomy 18, you, you know, exactly. Cold practices, you know, exactly. So, so that's, so what I'm getting at here is I'm trying to show how the pushback from people who defend the Enneagram, some of the arguments they use right. and how those can be responded to. Yeah. There are responses. And here's something that that I've learned in, in, in just doing my ministry for, and I've learned this from other people, watching other people and learning from other people, like at my seminary or other, you know, apologists is that when you're standing on the truth of God's word and other people are using or trying to defend something that really is not compatible with God's word or with the teaching of the Bible, there will be a flaw in it and you can find it. Mm. You don't need to be intimidated by it. Yeah. So at first you may be like, oh, I don't know what to say. But if you think it through biblically, you will find the flaw and you will be able to expose it. Yeah. Because anything based on falsehood and on a false spirituality is like a house of cards and it can be brought down. Yeah. So you just have to you just have to figure out the flaw and you can expose that with God's word. So you just sit there and think through it and you can come up with a response because I am not, you know, I'm not some kind of, uh, I'm not like a brilliant apologist. I'm not somebody that's, you know, really snappy with my, <laughs> with my brain, you know, mm -hmm. where I just like have this sharp brain where I'm, I mean, I know people like that. I'm not like that, Yeah. but I, but so that, so if I can do it, anybody can't, you yeah. just, you just sit there and think through the issue break it down. You can see where it's flawed and why Paul, po you know, quoting pagan poets is not the same thing as using the Enneagram. How, in right. other words, you start asking yourself, how are those two things different? Right. And then you can figure it out. So I wanted to, I wanted to encourage people and I want to encourage people listening now to realize, to not be intimidated by people defending the Enneagram you know, thinking that somehow they're, they have some kind of brilliant argument that allows, that makes the Enneagram okay. Yeah. Because so far I haven't found a good defense of the Enneagram yet. And I've seen a lot of them. I think I've probably seen all of them. Mm. Maybe I haven't, maybe there's more to come, but I've seen a lot of them <laughs> and they all fall apart. None of them, none of them are on solid ground. Yeah. Well, that answered really my last, I was going to ask you, this is going to let my, my last question was oh. going to be, what would you say to somebody who church has taken on the Enneagram, you mm. know, but you, uh, you answered it with, with that right there. That well, yeah. And actually, and, I, and my, my, my initial advice would be to make some bullet points up of what the Enneagram is from and uh -huh. what it is and that it's invalid. It doesn't come from psychology or you know, research or anything. Right. And then take that to the pastor or the elders and, and, and say, I want to share this information with you mm -hmm. about the Enneagram 
because I'm concerned. And I wonder, do you, do you know this? Do you have this information? Um, you know, don't, I, you know, I mean, you maybe have another way of doing it, but that's what I usually tell people because a lot of people have asked me, well, what do I do? You know, I right. need to tell my pastor, but I don't know what to say. So I usually tell them to get, you know, and I give them maybe a link to a couple of my articles or something. Um, I have an article that summarizes the Enneagram. It's like an overview of the Enneagram called Fictions and Facts of the Enneagram. Um, and actually, let me give you this website. Um, it's uh, and it's enneagramsecret.com. Mm -hmm. That's the resource page for our book. Okay. And there's videos and podcasts on there. And you also can read the first chapter of the book there. And that gives an overview of the Enneagram. Yeah. So I, I would say if you need to go to your pastor or an elder in your church about it, get, get, give them some bullet points. I've learned that, you know, pastors don't want to, they, they already have to read a lot of stuff all the time and they're overwhelmed with people wanting to read this book or read that book or read, look, go to this website. So don't give them like, <laughs> they don't need more to read. Give them something concise in bullet points. Yeah. Yeah. And that they can look at and they can see the bottom line and have it there. So they've got the information. Now, if they, what they choose to do with that, that's not up to you. Yeah. If they say, well, yes, I looked it over, but I don't agree. Or I've looked it over, but I still think the Enneagram can be useful or whatever. Then, then you'll have to make a decision about, am I going to stay under this pastor's teaching or not? Right, right. Hey, do you know if Oprah has promoted this? Because I know her and Richard Rohr kind of buddy-buddy. And... Yeah, she, yeah, she's had him on her program. I, right. I watched the last time she had him on. I have, I don't know anything about her promoting this. No, okay. I'm not saying she hasn't, but I haven't come across her promoting it. Okay. Uh, you know, somehow it doesn't seem of... like, it doesn't, somehow it doesn't seem like something she would be into. Yeah. I, she, I don't know she, why. She's but... on board with uh, Elkar Tolle. Yeah. She's, yeah. yeah, she's kind of has a different orientation towards things, I think, than something the Enneagram, I think I could be totally wrong, but I think it might strike her as too simplistic. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. that's my thinking and i've I watched oprah for years because i was watching her back in the 90s because people were always asking me about her and everyone assumed she was a christian and so yeah, i was watching she, her programs because i knew she wasn't and i was coming up with evidence for why she right. wasn't and she and, she said this is this is my christianity and you know I'm not pushing on you, but it was, we know what your Christianity is. She doesn't, she's not, she believes uh, in inclusivism. I don't even know if it would be inclusivism. She just says so many paths lead to God. And well, this yeah. is not Christian. I was like, man. Well, I, she was, she was influenced. She admitted, see, I watched her enough to hear her say certain things very specifically. She said um, in one TV show, she said that, um, Someone in the audience, she was taking questions for her guests and someone in the audience stood up and said, actually, I think the woman was a Roman Catholic nun, stood up and said something about uh, Christ consciousness. Yeah. And and Oprah got very excited and she said, that's what I believe. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, I read this book by um, Eric Butterfield and, and Eric Butterfield, by the way, was a unity minister. 
And Eric Butterfield said that Christ didn't come to die for sins on the cross. He came to show us how to achieve Christ consciousness. That's almost word for word what Oprah said on that program because I recorded it. I was watching it and I was recording. I started recording her programs. Mm. And um, then I put that in one of, I think one of my articles on Eckhart Tolle has that at the beginning. And so, um, and so then I got the book by Eric Butterfield that she had listed on her website as one of her favorite books. And it's called Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterfield. Yeah. Uh, and I read it and it's, it's a new thought book. So I have been telling people um, Oprah is really technically a follower of new thought. Yeah. More than she is a new ager, although she promotes a lot of new age people. Um, so she definitely was influenced and admitted she was influenced by Eric Butterfield. So, yeah, her view of Jesus is the new thought Jesus, which, of course, is not the biblical Jesus. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, you can get Marsha's book, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, yeah, I know those two off the top of my head. Can they go to your website and get the book directly? They, no, they can't get my. They can't get okay. my website. They can't if they go to that page, enneagramsecret.com. Mm-hmm. There's um, Don Vino set that up, and there you can go. <clears throat> excuse me, you can get the book. Uh, <clears throat> there's a link to Amazon there, a link somewhere else which I've forgotten, and a link to the publisher, and you can get it to, at one of those three places. Or if you want to go somewhere else to find it, it's it's sold in different venues. Um, but we, he just has those three, those three places there for convenience because that page kind of gives you so much information on on uh, the Enneagram. And so he put those links there. Okay, cool, cool. And please check the book out. Please get it, especially if, you know, this is which I'm pretty sure you're going to come in contact with the Enneagram. Somebody around you has done it. It's probably already inside the church. If not, praise God. But when it does, you need to have some information. Don't come empty handed, you know, be studied on and learned on it. Uh, The book is entitled Richard Rohr and the Enneagram Secret. Uh, I have a copy of it and I can't wait to dig into it. I'm getting ready to dig into it once I wrap this occult series up. So <laughs> because I got a feeling I won't get ready to come in contact in some type of churches that I know personally. Um, and I'm talking churches, not just one church, but churches. So um, but yeah, Marsha, um, appreciate you. Thank you so much. This is third episode that you joined me and thank you. Thank from you. Bottom for of my heart. Thank on. you. Oh no, Thank we you enjoyed for, you. For you breaking, hey, look, you breaking, you breaking records. I mean, it's <laughs> like whoa, you people chewing that occult stuff up. Like it's uh, it's some stuff they chewing it up. Like I mean, I heard, I keep hearing a lot of people that has left the church that went to New Age and got involved. Yeah. It's like one thing that is not in the church is is this type of conversation that's needed. Yeah, and yeah. so. But anyways, we we thank you and and God bless you and um Same to hope you. to have you back sometime. It was hope great. Oh, thank you. Yes, I was ma'am. honored to be on on three parts of your program. So. Yeah, yeah, we enjoyed you. We I enjoyed, enjoyed you. it too. So yes, thank ma'am. You so much. Well, God bless you. Well, look, thank y'all. It's another episode of Truth Be Told, Hosea Four Six Podcast. Catch you on the flip. Peace.